1: Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Dave Kidd of The Sun and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. Now I remember the days when £142 million bought you a football club. Now it buys you a footballer. A very good one in Philip Coutinho, but the world's best? Not by a long chalk. We're getting to stage, Dave, where money's
2: meaningless. It is, yeah. I think the Neymar transfer was so far off the scale compared to anything that had gone before it that we we're going into a completely different era. Um, Coutinho, you know, if, if Neymar is worth 198 million, you can do algebra and maybe Coutinho is worth 142. I don't know. It is. It's, it's it's ridiculous to quantify it really. But the fact is, Barcelona wanted him that much, and Liverpool wanted not to sell him that much. So that's the that's the fee that was agreed. And and when a player doesn't want to be at a club, and it, and he clearly hasn't done for the last six months to a year, then it's inevitable that he is going to go. Barcelona and Real Madrid always get their man. It might not be in the first transfer window, but it's generally the second one if not the first. Um, and, and we'll see who they come for next in the Premier League, maybe Harry Kane, who knows. But, and again, that will be £300 million probably if that happens. So, yeah. we go.
1: Where are we getting with this, Tom? Because it was obvious that Coutinho wasn't happy. You know, we now know that he actually told his teammates he wanted to go. And when you do that, you cross a line, don't
0: you? You do, yeah, but I I think there's a a line of respectability as well and and Coutinho has stayed very much, for me, on the right side of that. I think every footballer, as every employee in whatever line of industry you you choose to work in, um, has the right to go to their employer and say, I've been offered another job and I'd like to leave. Now, look, he signed a contract at the club, they've held him to it and... He has done very well. I mean, in years gone, I've seen Coutinho over the years, and I've thought he was a good player. I've seen him quite a bit this year, and I now think he's an exceptional player. He's, he's really uh, impressed me with what I've seen of him this year. But it's his work ethic that I like. He's not done the Virgil Van Dyke, uh, or, or not taken that route. You know, the moody photos on Facebook or, or Instagram, whatever. Staring it is. off into the middle. Uh, staring yeah. star- staring off towards the Merseyside from Southampton. You know, he's not done that, and he's. Look, he obviously had the little bit of a sulk in In the the summer when it was going on. He had the bad back. back. He had the bad (laughs) back. But but when he came back, you know, the, the agreement was clearly there. Look, give us a few months, give us four months. As long as we get the right money for you, we'll let you go. We'll be happy. But you have to keep your side of the bargain. And he's done that. So I've got no problem with... You know, Kiddo and I worked together. You know, a, a few years ago, I'd have had no problem with him coming and saying, "I've been offered a better job. I'm off, <laughs> but I'm going to stay and help you all out." And, and you know, and, and as long as he keeps doing the job, you know, he doesn't make the rest of you work a lot harder, which I probably would have done to <laughs> he's him. Be, he's, be, be, he's beyond price. Yeah, you know, yeah, anyway. of course. Yeah, yeah 140 million pound <laughs> uh, journalist. But but that's that's the point. I, I think he's kept his side of the bargain, and I, I think that's why you you know, if you're a Liverpool fan, yes, you'll be upset, but I think ultimately you you wave him on his way and say. You know, you're leaving. You're leaving us to go to Barcelona. And you're leaving us to go to the biggest, the joint biggest team in the world. So, uh, you know, best wishes and hope it works out. for you yeah. Definitely that's what they are saying, there. To be honest, <laughs>
1: no, I don't think they're happy, are they? But there we are. Um, the money suggests that he's the third best player in the world. Where do you think his true rating is?
2: Um, possibly top ten, but certainly not top three. But no, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a very good player. But they have, they have got. You know, a lot of good attacking options already. You know, they've got, clearly, Salah's been an outstanding signing. Mane and Firmino. and, And, obviously, they're after another one now. So, the thing with Klopp is that he... At Dortmund, he's he's very used to this. His, his best players have been sold, and he's got on with it, and he's built another team, and he's replaced them because he's a good manager, he's a good coach, um, and he's very used to it. When you've been at Borussia Dortmund, most of your best players end up at Bayern Munich, or you know certainly <laughs> these, these days. So uh, you know it's not something that he hasn't dealt with before. He's had six months to prepare himself mentally for this this happening, and and to work
0: out who they're going to replace him with. Be that be that maybe maybe Mahrez or 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 others. I'm not mm. sure he's top ten, you know, because he's he's not yet done it in the later stages of the Champions League. He's not yet done it, you know, at the really top, top level of football. And, and mm. he's now getting that opportunity. So, yeah, one day he probably will be top ten. But I, I think for now there are, there are still a lot of players who, you know, would, would fit into that category ahead of him. Mm. Who do they get to replace him? Um, it's interesting. I mean, Lamar is the, the main shout. Uh, I think £100 million being touted for him. Quite a direct player. Um, but that's probably going to be the summer? we'll see I mean it depends it depends how desperately Liverpool decide they want to I mean Mares is the other shout isn't it and, and look both Monaco and Leicester will be looking at that saying, right, we know how much money you've got to spend. Mm. So show us the colour of it and then show us the colour of some more of it and you can probably have him now. Um, I, I agree with Dave. They've got some very good attacking players. I think they've got enough. They're not going to win the league this season. I think they've got enough with Adam Lalana coming back, with Oxley chamberlain filling in a, as well alongside uh, Salah and Mane. I think they've got enough to get them into the Champions League this year. So it may be that they choose to wait for Lamar, but I also think Marez Uh, I know Liverpool have been quite strong in saying, you know, we're not in for him, but. I do think that wouldn't be the worst signing at all, actually, as a replacement for Coutinho because he's he's probably a bit more like for like than uh, Lamar is. Mm. No, None of those, are,
2: for me, are, are sort of nailed on to succeed. But is someone who's but neither was in Coutinho, and out. was he either? No, when, he, when, he, was, he wasn't. Either. No, nor was Suarez really went well. there. Sure. No, you, you can't be sure, can you? But Lamara's has tended to flit in and out of seasons, really. You know, with Leicester and mm. and, and most of those Monaco players from that great team last year who have come over here. A couple of those haven't haven't done very well at all. It takes a while to adjust, so mm. I, I'm not sure who, which one. Okay.
1: There's almost like a new phenomenon around at the moment where you've got this sort of semi-detached player, you've got a guy under contract, but he knows where he's going to be in the summer. So Emre Can's a good example. You know, He's got this five-year deal on the table for Juventus. Similarly with Naby Keita, mm. human nature is he wants to get to Liverpool as fast as he can. Do you think Liverpool might try and
2: accelerate that process? It's possible. I don't know exactly the exact uh, exactitudes of that agreement they made in the summer with Keita, but um, I mean, we, we certainly had last summer a, a real trend for clubs holding on to players who, who, who agitated for moves, including Coutinho, Van Dijk and Barkley. It didn't last long, did they? they? They've all gone already in the first few days of January. Um, you can only really keep a dissatisfied player for so long and, and it's never going to be perfect. And you know, you wonder whether clubs are better off just selling straight away because they're, n- they're never going to get, I don't think. I mean, whatever you say about Coutinho, and he, has, he, he certainly hasn't down tools over the last few months. I still don't think you're getting absolutely 100% out
0: of a player once his mind's elsewhere. Mm. I think World Cup year, the, the clubs see World Cup year as being slightly different, don't they? They mm. realise that there's the carrot at the end of the season and that players, you know, they can't just throw the towel in you know, totally. That you, you look, you might get ninety percent, ninety-five percent, whatever. They still have to perform to show their national team manager um, that they they deserve their call up, that they warrant the call up. So I, I think. But Alexis Sanchez, of course, is is the other one, and, and Arsenal. Mm. That you, you, I don't care what any Arsenal fan would tell me; they are not getting uh, total commitment from. Well, him because he's distraught that Chile haven't qualified. Well, and more more because he was distraught. I think that he didn't get his move mm. to Manchester City in the summer. Mm. What about? The the current makeup of that Liverpool side, are they the ones capable
1: of ending Manchester City's unbeaten run at Anfield on Sunday?
2: They are capable, certainly. Yeah, it's a tough game. It's probably the tougher game of City are going to have the rest of this year. the, the way they can counter attack teams, and City still, City have not got a great defence. And people talk about them being the greatest Premier League of all time. They're not the most. Well balanced. They're the most, possibly the most eye catching, most exciting and entertaining. They're not the best, not the most complete. And City have got those weaknesses and Liverpool could exploit them. But then again, Crystal Palace could have exploited them. City won't go the whole season unbeaten, I don't believe. Um, We saw against Palace, you know, a penalty kick away from losing that one against a side in the bottom half. So they won't be that consistent. Even Guardiola admits that won't happen. I think it's arguably
0: the most balanced game that Manchester City will face because where, where Manchester City have flaws, which, to be fair, they've addressed a lot of them in terms of the defence this season, Liverpool have got those flaws as well. Now uh, we see with Virgil van Dijk coming in and obviously hit the ground running with the goal in and, and the game against Everton and, and quite a decent performance all round from him as well. But I, I think you know we've got two sides who are exceptional to watch Going forward, but as, as Dave says, there are there are flaws at the back and areas that you know areas of weakness that uh, that can be uh, a way can be found through them. So could be a lot of goals in that game. It, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I was very impressed with Van Dyke. You know, okay, we, we said earlier on about the you know doing his Heathcliff on the moor <laughs> impression, but actually, if you look at that, what really impressed me was the leadership quality he yeah. showed. He was talking to people, directing the goalkeeper. Mm.
0: Liverpool have got the missing link there, haven't they? They will hope so, and for 75 million pounds, I think he has to be the the missing link. You know, whatever we say about money almost being irrelevant now, you know, there are still. There are still huge, significant sums, and and you know you have to perform if you're going to be one of these players who is transferred for anything over thirty or forty million pounds these days. Uh, which again sounds sounds crazy that we <laughs> you're thinking you can buy a player for less than that, and he doesn't have to justify it. But um you know I, I, he was he's was very impressive uh communication. I mean I, you know look never for a minute question his on field ability and his leadership skills. But I just I, I didn't particularly like the way he, he went about things when it didn't work out for him in the summer. But he looks like he could be that man that they've been crying out for.
1: Yeah. If we talk about natural leaders, Dave, uh, what about Vinnie Company at Manchester City? Injured yet again. But I thought, you know, he's just done his MBA degree, talked about the need for much more realistic ticket pricing. Mm. I looked at that and I thought, there's a manager
2: or a chief exec of the future. Yeah, could well be a chief exec, possibly, yeah. He's a very, very bright man. He's got a great, um, you know... It's quite rare, but it, it does happen that you get a, a player come from overseas and, and have a bond with a club which is as strong as anyone who is like, you know, born, born in East Manchester. You know, mm. he, he really is part of the fabric of that club. Um, I'm sure City will value him and he'll work in whichever in whichever in whichever way he wants. But I don't really uh, I don't, he, he won't he won't want to jack it in. yet. I think he's. 31 32, I, I think um, he's not at the age where he'll want a jacket in yet. Um, I think he'll keep going, they'll keep patching him up and, and when, when he is fit, he'll still contribute. Because they still haven't quite replaced him, have they? I don't think. Mm-hmm. Even though Artemendy's improved and Stones has improved, they they still comp- a, f- a fully fit company would still walk into that side. So there's still still some time to go before he
0: he dons the suit um, either in the dugout or in the, or in the boardroom. I I'd think. love to see him go to FIFA, some, something like that. You know, I think FIFA as an organisation would I you w- that... wish that on your worst? <laughs> I not No, no, no <laughs> To be fair, that's, that's a good point. But but you know, I I think there's a, a real opening um, now for people like Vincent Company who've played the game at the highest level. But are bright, articulate. You know, we'll think about the game in a way that people who haven't played it can do as well. But also bring, as you say, the, they've got the educational expertise as well, having having done qualifications like that. I think there's a real opening for people like him. So I think it'd be it'd be great to see FIFA embracing players like Company when they finally do retire. Mm. And another broader issue, Dave: Does anyone really care about the League Cup anymore? I know, you
1: know we're in semi-final <laughs> week.
2: Probably, Two not. Legs. Probably not. If, if you if you started football all over, all over again um, from scratch, you wouldn't invent the League Cup. I mean, the, we've got the FA Cup. You don't really need the League Cup. It's it it's not just the big clubs who see it as an inconvenience. It's the championship clubs as well. It's for, you know, possibly even the League One and the League Two clubs see it as an inconvenience. I, I don't really see the point of it the fact is it's built into tv contracts you would have to find the right time to scrap it i think inevitably it will be scrapped at some point um no worry it doesn't really get anyone's juices flowing i think the teams who make the semi-finals because it's two-legged uh, you know it really becomes a pain because i know obviously chelsea ended up in a replay and conti's thinking well i've now got every midweek in january we're playing a game now all four all four midweeks chelsea are playing so mm. twice a week every every week um, it's straight after a very very busy Christmas period.
1: It does beg the question it, Tom, should you just say, well, okay, let's have a semi-final one-off hit, and secondly, no more replays in the FA Cup.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, to address the League Cup issue first, I think yeah, why why do you need two-legged semi-finals? You know, it, it probably even makes the competition a little bit more interesting because let's say a, a smaller side gets to the semi-finals then on a one-off game 90 minutes they've probably got more of a chance against mm. one of the big boys than, than they have well you look at big it.
1: Big. Is Manchester City say
0: win 4-0 against Bristol City on Tuesday night yeah it, it was really bothered absolutely, about that the yeah, absolutely pointless. I mean look, I, I think the competition still holds you know for, for supporters if their team gets to the final uh, Mourinho was always very good, you know. He always said, "Look, it's still a trophy. I want to win it, and probably not just because he wants to buy a watch to celebrate winning it, as he does with all his silverware." But you know, I, I still think there is a place for the competition. Um, but you know, as Dave says, it, it's, it has to be watered down a bit, as you said, with, with the replays, uh, FA Cup replays. Um, I'm still a bit torn on this. It was something we put to Arsene Wenger on Friday at his press conference and he said that he was very much for replays to stay because, you know, he's... The left one yesterday. Well, <laughs> that was the point he made. He said there have been many times when uh, when I would have, you know, taken a replay over the result we actually got. Uh, we've got the squads to be able to deal with it. You know, maybe, maybe we need to look at it another way. Let's Let's say that Teams can have squads of 30 now uh, rather than the 25. you know if that's what the gripe is that they haven't got enough players to cope with to cope with it, then um, I'm, then let's open it up and make sure they have got the number of players to cope with it. I think for me, um, I, I, the whole festive fixture list has, has come under uh, immense scrutiny over obviously over the last couple of weeks. but I, I think as long as teams are playing on the same day. Um, I don't think it matters how many games there are because, I mean, Dave and I, uh, you know, both uh, have known Jimmy Greaves for, for a number of years now, and he would have told us many times about the, the game when they play on Boxing Day and then they play the next play Christmas day. And day and and play Christmas day. day, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and I know even going back to the 90s, there were games on sort of the 27th and there'd be a game on the 28th. So players players can cope with it. I think, you know, the only time that fixture congestion starts to become an issue is when teams have. One team will have five days to recover and another team will have two days to recover.
2: I'd get rid of FA Cup replays myself. Um, I think it's make, it makes it less likely you get a shock. I think uh, I, I went through it. it. There's been about once or twice in the last 15 years that uh, a Premier League club has been knocked out by a lower league club in a replay. If you had a penalty shootout, uh, you know, I was at Shrewsbury West Ham Sunday um and even Paul Hurst, the Shrewsbury manager, who might have been really you thought really looking forward to going to the London Stadium for a replay, at a big a big venue, said no. I'd rather have finished it on the day. I'd rather have had extra time penalties. He knew his team would have had a better chance, less less congestion with the fixture list, and more of a chance to get another payday in the fourth round. Mm. So I don't even think the smaller clubs that are supposed to, apart from maybe the people who are counting the money, apart from you know the actual managers at smaller clubs aren't necessarily in favour of replays. Mm.
1: Give us a reminder about what it's like to be in a ground when there's an upset. You know, you were at the new Gay Meadow yesterday.
2: Yeah. What did that mean to... What was the feeling like in the crowd? Real occasion, real sense of occasion, absolutely. I mean, actually, Joe Hart added to it because he was the hometown boy coming back and he got a great reception from the home fans. But, yeah, there is that real buzz about it. I mean... And we we go to the game. A game. We, we you try and pick one that might might be a shock every third round, and more often than not, it doesn't come off. But when they do come off, it's fantastic. There's a real sense of community there. The, you know, the whole the whole town pulling together at Shrewsbury. You know, big club, big names coming in. Moyes, who actually played there as well um, as as a player. Um, everything around the match was was excellent, but the actual match itself on that occasion didn't quite live up to it. So yeah, yeah. Talk of not living up to uh, a certain responsibility, Arsenal.
0: Is that the worst defence of the FA Cup ever? <laughs> uh, no, I, I would imagine probably not. But, I mean, look, you know Forrester are a, a, big, a, a big old club, a grand old club with plenty of tradition and history. So they're always in with a chance on an occasion like that at the city ground, you know, when it's packed. It'll be a great atmosphere. It's a difficult place for any, any team to go. But I have to say, I've got a certain degree of sympathy with Arsene Wenger on this one because he picked a side... I think it was nine internationals. They were well capable of beating uh, a young Nottingham Forest team. Mm. Albeit some one very, very good young some players. Very, very scene. good young players. Brereton. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Was I mean, Brereton's sort of been on, on our radar for a little while. Matty Cash as well is, is, a, is a, another player mm. who we've heard his name... Warrell at, at the back. Warrell at the back looked good as well. So, But, but uh, you know, this goes back to the point Arsenal still had a squad, uh, a, a team, sorry, uh, yesterday that were capable of winning that game. I think the players just let Wenger down, uh, absolutely. I know some people will say he should have picked a, a stronger side, he should have respected Nottingham Forest and their traditions and, and a, a championship team more than he did, but I, I would lay the blame squarely at the door of the players for that one.
2: Mm. can't defend, can they? They just can't defend. No. <laughs> What's Steve Bold doing? He was supposed to just all that out, wasn't he? Mm. They can't defend. Where does this leave Wenger? Oh, so, same as he has been for the last <laughs> ten years. Nothing, <laughs> nothing's going to change. He, he says maybe, maybe we'll review it after one year of this current two-year, you know, at the end of this year... They've not won the FA Cup. Say they don't. They get beat by Chelsea in the League Cup, which we'd imagine they probably would. They don't even reach the, They don't even get in a top four in a year when all of the other, all the rest of the top six have all gone into the. Champions League knockout stages, Arsenal got the distinct advantage of... They're not bothered about the Europa League. They've got the distinct advantage of not having to focus any, any, have any other focus. If they don't make the top four and at the moment it doesn't look likely, then that's been a season of complete and utter failure. Mm. They've, got, they've got key players who don't want to be there, but they, they keep hold of them just out of stubbornness. They've got a defence that can't defend. They've got coaches... They've got, they've got a bloke who's come in to supposedly sort the defence out. They can't even defend a free kick. They can't even know what the offside rule is. The, the way they go, the way the penalties was
0: embarrassing. The whole club's a complete shambles. Apart from that, it's, from that it's all well like <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and given the fact that that competition has been in Wenger's insurance policy for yeah. the last few years, I mean, I, I, I was, uh, that yeah, won, yeah. I was super surprised yeah. that he didn't play. Yeah. Um, They're yeah. going to do a Man United and just concentrate on the Europa League, aren't they? They have to. Uh, Could do know. with Jose double, couldn't they?
1: Obviously, yeah. the League Cup and the Europa League. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah. with that, uh, you know, Dave has already said you think that Chelsea will beat Arsenal. Do you
0: agree with that? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think uh, they've got a man. Manager who's spoiling for a fight at the moment? Um, I think he'll be absolutely energised and, and revved up for a, a couple of clashes against another one of his so-called big six rivals. Um, and I think they've got, I think they have got a, a, an attack who who can cause an Arsenal defence, uh, whether it's the first o- string Arsenal defence or the second one, uh, serious problems. I think Eden Hazard looks in, in good form at the moment. Morata. His confidence looks a little bit low, right. um, but it's only going to take you know uh, the old proverbial one off the backside and, and he'll be back on form. So, yeah, I I would expect Chelsea, and particularly with their defensive capabilities as well, I would expect them to come out on top over over two legs. But I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a couple of, they will couple be of good. good ties. That was a
2: really good league game last week. I was at that for 2-2. Two yeah. two. It was a really good game, actually. Yeah. And Arsenal, funny enough, whatever everything I've said, they've played, they've played well against Chelsea over the last sort of year or so. There was fancied it against each other. There was there? an intensity
1: yeah. about it it wasn't it which yeah, you don't normally see really, from
2: Arsenal it was a really good game of football actually Arsenal-Chelsea it was, it was, it was ding-dong it was, it was very end-to-end you know two teams really going for it and, they, so, but, and then also Arsenal actually went to Stanford Bridge earlier this season and, and played for a really good 0-0 actually and, and, and they beat them last season they beat them in the cup final Chelsea bullied Arsenal for many years and actually at the moment under Conte, they're not, they're not bullying Arsenal so it should be a good game I still think Chelsea will win mm-hmm. where do you see Ross Barkley fitting in there um <laughs> Barclay's a quality player, without doubt, but he hasn't progressed whatsoever. And 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 it's what the interesting thing is whether he's going to be. You know, well coached there. Um, given that we we assume Conte's probably not going to be at Chelsea next year, it may well depend who comes in because he's not fit at the moment. I don't know when he's due to be fit. You know, do you know. Tom, I'm sure he's, exactly been, he's, he's been fit. training on
1: his own, so that right, tells yeah. us it's probably maybe, going to be a couple a of weeks, weeks away. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. I, I don't think actually we'll see Bartley playing a lot of football this season. Um, starting an awful lot. Um, I think he, I think he's an excellent signing for the price. Um, if. Someone can get hold of him and get the best out of him, and and get him thinking about his football more because his natural gifts are, 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 are you know, and, and he's a big fella as well. By the way, you know, mm. he's not, you know, he's, a, he's talented. He's also, you know, got got strength, and he's got, he's got so many attributes. Um, but I, I want to see, I want to see a manager get hold of him. Uh, and,
0: and and you know, and probably you know he probably plays as, as a number ten. That like that would be his best position. So. Mm. I think I think when Mauricio Pochettino was looking at him in the summer as well, he he fancied him for the right hand side of that attacking midfield yeah. three. That was very much the position that he was selling to to Barclay. Yeah. And and yet I, it I, I don't see him going to Chelsea and, and fulfilling that role. No. You know, with, I think at Spurs he might well. Under a, 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 a sp- he might have. Spurs. It might have yeah. worked for him, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Dave. I think you know maybe uh, maybe with him and, and Fabregas, you know, the, the rotation uh, going in there or two playmakers when you know in the games that you need them. Um, but I have to say, that I know Bakayoko, he's, he's coming for a lot of stick. I still think, still think maybe next year we might see a huge improvement from him. And there's been, a, you know, niggling injuries this time, haven't there, from him? But you know, I think with a, with sort of three central midfielders in 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 those those three that we've just talked about, I think Chelsea's midfield looks fairly strong.
1: Mm. Yeah. Tom mentioned you know, Conte's tour de force in front of the cameras. Um, <laughs> Where are we
2: going with these managerial feuds, the Mourinho-Conte? This one's been particularly ridiculous, is not it? I mean, you know, it's been... you um, You're a clown, a d- you're, a clown yeah, yeah. you're senile, you're a match-fixer, you're little. I mean, it is... And a fake. It is, it
0: is, it, and a it, fake. You missed the fake out. The fake,
2: <laughs> the fake yeah. It, it, is, it really is, you know, primary school playground stuff. It, it, it's, it's ludicrous. Um, uh, it, you know, in some ways, these sort of feuds, you know, we, we as tabloid journalists, all newspaper journalists, like them. You know, at certain times, certain days, it feels... Let's know, be it's, honest. It's, it's to, you know, so, if there's so a thorough. can of petrol around, we'll throw it on the flame. Yeah, yeah, to some extent. But this, this one's been particularly puerile. And actually, funnily enough, the last day or two of it, it's not, it's not got as much... It's, you know, people are... <laughs> even newspaper, newspaper offices are thinking... Getting bored by this because not actually. I, this one's got nothing to do with I what we know, really. know about this. I, I mean, it's, no, it's just no, petty insults, isn't it? There's, yeah. no, there's no, there's no, it's not even quite it often. It is no, 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 quite, no, 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 no really. yeah, yeah. Quite often it is. quite often it is actually based on a footballing issue and, there, and there's a genuine something to get your teeth into. There's nothing really to say about this apart from it's just it's just two grown men acting like seven-year-olds.
0: Uh, um, you know, puerile, uh, petty, seven-year-olds. But for me, long may it continue. I, I, I've, I've really, I I've, so I've so I've so really enjoyed fine. it. You know, because it's they're, 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 we live in this this day and age where they're, they're so much of football is washed down and it's boring because uh, press officers and agents and managers won't let people, won't let human beings express an opinion and it's just making it dull, it's diluting it. We're getting back to, at least for a, a week or so here, we're getting back to days when people, you know, have an opinion. They don't like each other. Brilliant! It doesn't matter that they don't get on. Let them have it out. You know that's that's great. I, I just I just think let's let's yeah. sit back and enjoy it. And I I would I would imagine that there are many people, many football fans are, are watching it and listening in. I mean, for you know, for a match for a manager to bring up the match fixing situation with Antonio mm-hmm. Conte is is you know, and, and it's to, to to Mourinho's credit, it's something that the the media over here we probably should have asked him about. Uh, he was asked about X. it at the start when he first got the job, actually. Yeah, but it wasn't uh, really pressed yeah. hard it's on it. it wasn't you know. I mean, it, you know, and it's it, it was a huge story that it's almost like, okay, well, yeah. tap dance around it, and and Mourinho hasn't. So, I'm more for you know, I, I, I think supporters will understand it and appreciate it more if there are more opinions in the game. I, I actually agreed the with the
2: his initial his initial opinion. I actually don't often agree with Mourinho, but I think the thing about when he's talking about clowns. He, what he actually said as well was, he said, just because I'm not acting like a clown um, doesn't mean I haven't got mm. passion. that I, was I also like a veil dig at Klopp was, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't like this this idea, which has become a bit of a truism that people keep saying, you know, is that you know, unless a manager is showing passion, i.e. Like, mm. going berserk on the touchline, yeah. each time I doesn't care, that's nonsense. I mean, they are, they are playing for the cameras. I mean, Klopp and Conte, there is a certain amount of that in it. So I think his actual initial point, the Mourinho made, was, was actually a really fair
1: one. Mm. What about Arsene Wenger and all this? He's got like a permanent place on the FA's naughty step, hasn't he? <laughs> yes, at
0: the moment, yeah. Um, and yeah, he's got away with a lot of it over the years, hasn't he? You know, I mean, that's been one of Mourinho's other gripes that uh, that Arsene Wenger has been in the clear when when he you know he hasn't for for lesser uh, lesser outbursts. But um, yeah, I mean. I, I think, again, there, there can be a degree of sympathy with Wenger over the decisions that have gone against his side. You know, I think both of the penalties were... They'd fall into that, I've seen him given category, which, you know, is never uh, totally the basis that a penalty should be given on. He said his piece, um, and I, I don't think he should have been quite as inflammatory as, as he was about it. You know, there's probably a better time and place to do it. But it, 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 for me, it just, you know, it, it's just... I, I don't mind it either. I think, I think just you know, at least they speak in their mind, and, and and long may that continue.
2: What about refereeing standards, Dave? How bad are they? Um, I, I don't think they're as bad as people crack, crack them up to be. Um, we, you know, we're now going to have a, we're going to have a VAR. Um, system introduced that's going to make things an awful lot worse, in my opinion. Um, it's going to lead to long delays and people, different people guessing from a studio in mm. Hounslow Still compared what to yeah, yeah. Um, mm. which take away so much from the essence of the, of the game. Um, so you know, it's always become accepted that our referees are lousy. Therefore, we have to impose this system on the game. That's going to totally change, you know, a game that's been massively popular worldwide for 150 years, and we're going to have to change the complete nature of it because these blokes aren't up to it. And they actually are; they did get a lot, a lot right. I thought um, the one, uh, the West Brom one, was a very poor one, a very, very unusually bad one. It, 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 it's not that often that you get an absolute clangor, and that West, the West Brom one, the West Brom penalty decision. You know, I sympathise with Wenger on that one, but the vast majority of these are ones you could give either way, and they will be looking at them for five or ten minutes and we'll all be standing there freezing cold, not knowing what's going on, waiting for some other bloke in a studio
0: in Hounslow to guess whether it was a penalty or not. Mm. Mm. And, and still disagree. Some people and, and disagree And we'll, we'll all still disagree. Well, and I, I think, you know, look, I, I don't think refereeing standards now are any worse than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There's a difference, ago. There's more cameras. It, exactly. There's more cameras. There's more social media. There's more cameras. We can all pause you know. 20 years ago, we'd watch telly and we'd go, well, I think you made a mistake there. And you'd talk to whoever was next to you on the sofa and you'd discuss it. Oh, no, I disagree. Now, we pause it, we rewind it, we watch it. Hang on, check that again, do it again. All the while, the game's still going on and the poor ref, the man who's actually had to make the decision, Mm. hasn't been, um, you know, hasn't had the ability to watch it. Now, I'm still don't think we need VAR I, I, as Dave said I think it's taken away from the essence of it, and I still think it will leave as many uh, decisions there to be argued about as, as we've got now. maybe it might you know might clear up two or three extra uh, every month or so, but I don't think it'll make too much of a difference but it, it's just the advent of TV and social media mm.
1: We watch an awful lot of games you, know, you more than most probably Dave you' are at that two two with Chelsea now. I try and trust my instinct on penalties. You know, the first thought, and I thought when Bellerin basically volleyed Hazard, I thought
2: that was a stonewall penalty. penalty. Definite penalty. It was a yeah, there was say. a massive debate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, mainly because Hazard made a meal of it. He did make a meal of it, but it was still a penalty. And you know, um, that's what I thought anyway. But you know, as players, got a responsibility. Well, yeah, but that's, that's a game that's longer. I mean, again, we were talking about our old mate Jimmy Greaves. He says every every is a cheat. You know, and that's, that's fifty years ago. Every, every footballer cheats all the time. No. It's not a new thing. I think it's, I mean, the idea is this: some foreign thing.
0: Great Greavesley will tell you, won't he? Yeah, know, yeah, that yeah, Every footballer, it's a cheat. It's well, cheats you, all the time in every match. You think about when we all used to play, you know, and every everyone listening, every football fan, when they played as a child, you know, you, you go in for a, uh, a tackle, the ball cannons off two of you, it goes out for a throw, you both put your hand up. It's yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. intrinsic yeah. with the game, unfortunately, yeah. and uh, you know, I'm not saying it's right, but it's just it, it, it's, it's not that change, happens at it? Sunday morning <laughs> level. It, You can bet your life when there's more money involved at uh, senior professional level, it's going to happen a lot more there. Mm,
1: Hugely pressurised world for football managers. Mark Hughes sacked by Stoke
2: fair enough? Yeah, it ran its course, hadn't it? I thought it was quite bold when um, Hughes went in there and, and and tried to change the whole nature of, the, of that football club, that team which Pulis built and did so well in terms of establishing them in the Premier League, playing a certain way and they became a cliché of the, the cold wet Tuesday night at Stoke was because of the way they played so physically. He brought in a lot of um, you know pretty big-name European players. They for, for two or three years, it, they, he did sort of improve things, but not Enough, and and they didn't kick on into that sort of challenging for Europe where you might have expected them to a couple of years ago. Then it's all gone backwards, I think, in, over the, the last season, season and a half. Just the, you know that 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 sort of that whole project seemed to to die a death. That you know players suddenly w- were leaving. You know people like that, Arnautovic, um, and and then suddenly this year it didn't have an identity, did it? We didn't know where they were going with it. We did, the, the, the timings didn't work and. And you know, four and a half years at one club in the Premier League is an awful long while these days. You know. Well, that's that's
1: a good thing though, isn't it, Tom? At least that club have got a, a history, a recent history of backing their managers. Mm. So it's an it's it's an interesting and probably attractive appointment. Uh, Gary Rout was doing very well at a club that you know well, mm. Derby County. He looks not to that really well. Lead... Not that well, Stoke. <laughs> 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 keep, keep him away. But yeah, he's, he, you know he's doing well at Derby. Yeah. Is he the sort of manager? British, who needs that Premier League opportunity.
0: Uh, yeah, and I'd like to think he might get it in uh, in the summer um, <laughs> after a, a glorious uh, second-place finish in the Championship because Wolves are easily going to win that league. But, yeah, I mean, look, I think we'd all love to see um, uh, uh, Gary Rowett, uh, Lee Johnson. You know, there's you could, there's so many names in in the, the the lower leagues or the you know the three tiers below the Premier League, I should say, um, who deserve an opportunity. Um, and and you know whether they. I mean, look, even Sean Dyche, who is proven year after year now in the Premier League, is still not getting the opportunities to go on and manage. You know the really big clubs in in that division. So um, I, I I still think, unfortunately, we're in a situation where British managers almost have to take clubs to the Premier League to uh, to to be given a, a chance. And particularly when you see the likes of Marco Silva coming into to Hull and then Watford and doing well enough. Um, well, one got relegated. The others can't win. Yeah, but <laughs> no, I mean, he, he did. He, he certainly improved Hull. If, even though he couldn't keep them up, they were they played better football. Uh, they made a better fist of than they were doing under Mike Phelan. Um Watford, it's gone off the boil a little bit after the Everton. It's gone off the boil a lot after the Everton uh, situation, Rosie said. But he's he's clearly got something. You know, he's, there's clearly something in his in his armory. Um, so yeah, I mean, would I like to see an English manager get it? Yes, uh, not Gary Rowett, um, but I'd i think I I wouldn't be surprised if Stoke didn't, you know, look look overseas. and, and I think it's actually an attractive club for whoever comes in. Because as you say, they've got a very good owner. They've got a very wealthy ownership as well. And um, and, and they clearly back their managers. But the, the one other point I'd like to make on this is right, it's all part of the citification of football, if you like, that everyone has to play this certain style of beautiful Pep Guardiola-style football. and And I, I don't think they do. And I, I think the Premier League's losing out because, you know, look, Tony Pulis' style, it wasn't it's not always easy on the eye, but it was mightily effective, you know, and had Stoke finish in really good positions year after year. And all of a sudden they want to change it and it's it's backfired on them. So I, you know, I say to clubs, look, if you can just play the way that makes you successful, and you'll you'll win more games than you lose. Yeah, right? that's easier to say if you don't have to watch it every week. If, if you're actually having to sit there and watch a pu team I've, or an Allardyce like, like,
2: team like, like, every you week, say, we you say see, that you yeah, might see it occasionally. I know, but if but you've got to sit there week after week and watch a purist team or an Allardyce team, but is, isn't, that, for your isn't money the same?
0: Isn't that the same? For after a, a year or is isn't that the same for every
2: every football team? Though, really, you know, outside, go and enjoy the match. That you want to see your team playing well, you don't want to see them. You don't want.
0: Yeah, but you know, is that
2: why Sam Allardyce's honeymoon period? Uh, Everton is it officially over. Well, Everton, I mean, uh, uh, the traditions of that football club are it's such a backward appointment. It had a, a, it had a predictable short-term lift, and, but they were never going to go down anyway, Everton. you know, They started to turn it around even before he was appointed. So, I mean, the idea that Everton supporters want to sit there for, t- for the next three years and watch that, it's nonsense.
0: Don't agree? Um, I agree that Everton supporters probably don't, and this is, you know, I'm not, am not being after, disrespectful after, to Stoke. After, you know, after Stoke, I went to Stoke. Uh, uh, at that point,
2: they want something a bit more. They want to actually yeah. try well, and it. Yeah, but,
0: but I remember going to, to Stoke and, and seeing Peter Crouch score an, an incredible volley against Manchester City. They, they, Roberto Mancini used to say, you know, every time they went to Stoke, they had a really tough game, and, and it was, oh, it yeah. was tough. It was yeah. good. It was exciting to watch. Now, but there say, were
1: times but, when we went to when we went to West Brom. When you turn up at the Hawthorns, you do it with
0: a very, very heavy step because. Yeah, you knew what was going to come. But what we're saying is you have to go and you have to go and watch your team and every single Saturday they have to perform brilliantly. They have to play ticky-tack football. They have to play the passing game. They have to pass out from the back. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, one of the games on the weekend, I can't remember which one it was now, but, you know, the team who have been on a good run didn't get a great result and there's booze. and you think to yourself, you know, we're in that time now where, mm. it, you know, why can't people just say, well, we didn't play that well this week? You know, that's what... That's what used to happen. And, and yeah, you know, with teams like you... yeah, good days and bad days.
1: Yeah. Mm. Everton are at Spurs in the, in the uh, BT Sport game this weekend. I thought it was interesting Pochettino talking about look, we can't take Harry Kane for granted.
2: They can't because Real Madrid are probably going to bid three hundred million pounds for him next summer if they can afford that, and you know, all that worth. they're certainly going to come in for him, and and that's the sort of that they're, they're going to know. You for think that's well. realistic? They want me. They certainly want him, and they want a centre forward, and he, and he's the best available out. Well, not available, but that, that might be available to them. You know, he's, he's probably the, he's probably the best actual old school number nine in the world. I'd have thought. Um, you know, Lewandowski might be the other one, maybe, but I'm not sure if he might be slightly. Past his peak, um, I think. I think in terms of someone they could actually get their hands on, that they, they tried Lewandowski in the past. I think Kane's probably you know. Ben, Benzema's not been pulling up any trees this year. He's the, he's their sort of you know genuine number nine. I know obviously Ronaldo and, and Bale can play as a number nine, but I think um, Pochettino is absolutely right, and and he knows full well that Kane has got a great attitude. And there's a lot of truth in the fact that you know, in the idea that he has real uncommon loyalty towards Tottenham. He does, but that's only still going to stretch so far if Real Madrid come in and make it apparent that they want to sign him and they will pay a world record fee for him, which they clearly would have to. Um, so, you know, Pochettino is correct. They do, need, they do need to up his wages. The Tottenham players don't get paid the market rate and that's going to, at some point for each of them, that's gonna, there's going to be a pull away from the club.
1: Mm. Yeah, you, you did the piece with Danny Rose and yeah. you know him well. He had to make that stand, didn't he? I, I, I had sympathy for him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I,
2: he didn't have to, but he, you know, I was glad that he did. But <laughs> he, he um, yeah, I mean, he, he spoke very honestly about it, and he certainly wasn't the only one in that dressing room who, who thought the same thing. A lot, a lot of other Spurs players were patting him on the back. I don't think Kane necessarily was. I don't think Kane was particularly uh, a massive opinion either way about it. A lot, a lot of Spurs players totally agreed with him and, and would have said the same thing. Kane he, he wasn't one of those, I would say. Um, he, he's not. He's certainly not going to be agitating at the moment for a move, but. If you're if you're on a hundred grand and you're suddenly going to be offered four hundred grand a week and you know going to be number nine for the most famous club on the planet and they're willing to pay a world record fee for you, I don't think there's anyone in the world who would think. Oh, actually no, thank you very much. I'll stick on my current money at Spurs and see if we can maybe maybe finish fourth and and, and not win mm. a trophy ever.
1: Will they finish fourth? Will they get in the top four?
0: Well, uh, it's 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 a really tough one. At the start of the season, I, I was I had absolutely no doubts at all that they would, but. Um, um, yeah, I think you know, City. City have obviously won the league already, so we can forget about them. United and Chelsea, possibly for uh, for second and third. And um, it's I, I honestly wouldn't like to call it now. They've they've got as good an opportunity as um, as uh, Arsenal uh, to get there. But um, yeah, um, I, I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to sit firmly
2: on the fence. I think Liverpool I finish. Yeah, I, I, I don't think Spurs or Arsenal yeah. will make no, it. No, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Now, I've been involved with a documentary on youth football called No Hunger in Paradise, transmitted last night. Thankfully, a huge response to it. The viewers and listeners of this podcast have come up with quite a few good questions. I'd just like to spend, if we can, a few minutes just looking at what is a really important subject because it deals with the future of the game. Tom Pedrick, he said, look, I've just watched Wenger explain in the film how hard it is to bring young players into the side when there's so much pressure for success. At the same time, I'm seeing Arsenal fans on social media tweeting that they're outraged that he's fielded a weakened team against Forrest. Does that prove his point for him?
2: <laughs> yeah, he's got a very good point there. I think there's a slight difference about putting youngsters into a weakened team. There weren't that many youngsters in that team, there were maybe three, um, into a weakened team. Um, I remember City, they, they, they really gave up on the Cup a couple of years ago. Uh, Chelsea got beat 5-1, they put a, real, a whole youth team out pretty much. Uh, and that doesn't do the kids any good, I don't think. Um, and uh, even yesterday, even though there were a lot of experienced players in that Arsenal team, but it wasn't a full-strength team, trying to, trying to blub one or two in a full-strength side is going to do a lot more for their confidence and allow them to to find their feet. But Wenger's clearly one of the managers, and Pochettino's an outstanding example of it, who are keen... You know, to, to to blood youngsters there, there, there's become a bit of a, I think a sort of coward charter amongst Premier League managers where they would just if they think a player might be good enough they'll send him out on loan for a season and see, see if he can do it you know, a, top, a top club in the Premier League will send one out to a lower Premier League club to see if they can do it in the Premier League and Mourinho you know, would certainly fit that bill he's done that at Chelsea and and, and and see, and you know, let let someone else take the flag if they don't make it, and no risk on themselves. then, is there? So uh, you know, I, 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 I get the point. It's a it's a good point, but I think maybe the forest example wasn't the best one. Mm.
1: Chris Atkinson, he said he found it really interesting that Gareth Southgate in the film disagreed
0: with clubs taking. Players at such a young age.
1: Mm. Do you agree with that?
0: I do. Yeah, I, I know there's a, a huge divide from from uh, you know the professional game and us talking, or, or me ever saying you know, or when I played Sunday morning football. But you know, I, I, I don't think I started playing until I was sort of nine and, and ten, and and even then. We weren't really ready. It was only when you sort of eleven that you can actually kick the ball far enough for it to get to the, you know, the corner flag. And yeah, I, I, I walk past parks where where I live, and and you know you see children's games being organised for like five-year-olds and six-year-olds. I just think it's too early for them. I, I just think that's the time when children should be playing in school playgrounds and you know just amongst themselves, but not necessarily in a in in such a controlled environment. Um, so I agree, and I, I mean Gareth Southgate was absolutely right. How how on earth can you spot uh, a Premier League player uh, at seven years old? It's it's just an answer. I mean, I, you know, I played cricket to a reasonable standard when I was when I was younger, and the the lads who did go on to make it, uh, Jimmy Ormond was was one who went on to play for Surrey and obviously for England. You wouldn't have said probably at fourteen or fifteen that he was going to be the one who made it out of the, the 18, 19 lads that we were playing with. He was probably fifth, sixth, seventh in the pecking order and yet he was the one who who made the most of his ability. And, and I know people, you know, look, some, some children will be outstanding at the seven and then probably keep keep going but I just don't think it's, I just think it's way too early. Mm. The money
1: in the game influencing it, you've got Owen Mayers, he's basically saying, look, we really got to restrict the age at which, play, at which players can be signed We've got to support them when they fall out of the system. But realistically, are we going to see that?
2: Um, probably not. I mean, they are you know young players who don't make it, which is, as you said, very right in an excellent documentary. It, it's, you know, it's well over 99% of them, 99.9% of them, I think, mm. um, will not make it. For the, It's like difficult for the game to support them properly. You'd hope that the bigger clubs particularly would have people there that... Like, if, you know, kids are going to need a certain amount of guidance, counselling, even whatever, you know, if, you know, if, if, if your dream that you've, you know, you've, been, you've been, you know, your life's been, you feel you've been going towards for the previous, for as long as you can remember, basically, is then suddenly pulled away from you at the age of 16, it can be very, very traumatic, clearly. Mm. Um, how much realistically the game can do... Um, to solve that particular problem, you know, it's, it's a tough one. But you, you do, you do, you do hear um, a lot of managers um, saying now that they, they try and improve um, young kids as, as human beings as well as, as footballers. So therefore, they are, you know, they, some of the work they may have done in, in an academy system might help them. In, in, another, in another job, if you know, if, if they don't happen to make it as a professional footballer,
0: mm. I think it's with the parents, Mike. Um, you know, I think I think the clubs have more of a responsibility to educate the parents. They don't. Mm. Clubs don't have a responsibility to you know go, go off and, and look after every child that didn't make it. Every every industry, you know, people have faced rejection and, and it, it hasn't worked out for them. It's just part of part of life. But I think the parents have to be educated better so that they can be the the people who provide the support network for. Uh, for children who you know who, who perhaps have their, have had their hearts broken, and and make sure that they can bounce back and say, look, look, yeah, yeah, you haven't made it, but there's so much else out there in the world. There are other ways to get involved with the game. You know, it doesn't have to just be a player going. Do do a you know sports science degree and become a physio, so you're working within that environment. Go and uh, you know, as, as Vincent Company's done, go and do your MBA, so you can get into the uh, the, the hierarchy of a football club, become mm. the, the team's you know secretary, something like that. So I I, th- I think that's where the onus has to lie. Mm. The guys at Youth Hawk, which is a very very good website for um, youth football, they say should we
1: demand more of the PFA in providing proactive aftercare? And support for players who are released.
2: Yeah, I mean, we probably should, and as we, as we as we well know about the PFA, the one thing we know about the PFA is they're a washer of money, and, and they're you know the richest. You know, and, and, and Gordon Taylor is, is the richest. Yeah, does um, football get value for that money? money? No, I don't think it does. No, and I, th- I think um, you know you would you would hope that they would pr- um, provide you know some you know a better education for those you know and maybe you know guidance for that for those. Kids who don't make it, yeah, I think that, that should certainly be part of the PFA's role.
0: I disagree with that, actually, because I, I think that the, you know, the PFA stands for Professional Footballers' Association, so they are there to provide for professional players uh, during their playing days and after their playing days. But I think if you're released at 16, I think maybe another body needs to be made. You know, there's, I a think... but,
1: there's a body called the Players' Trust, which is you know a, a not-for-profit organisation which provides free counselling
0: yeah, I can see that yeah. and maybe maybe the maybe the clubs maybe the you know the the, the football league and the Premier League ne- need to get all their clubs together and and put a, a, a you know like you say a body like that in place so the aftercare is there for the parents but yeah I, I actually don't think I know the PFA take a bit of a kick in on on a lot of issues and I don't think this is one that they really need to worry too much about you
2: certainly highlighted the parenting issue in, in that documentary and that is you know it's it's scary in, in, many, in many ways you know the pressure that parents can put their kids under or, and just and the way they, they, they live vicariously through their kids and, and that is you know and, and that's always been the case to some extent in youth football when I was a kid but but you know, now with the amount of money, and it is just, like you say, just getting one professional contract mm. is like winning the lottery. Yeah. That, that, it's very Becoming difficult to and manage to that. And, 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 and you sure. really would hope that, that clubs would try and educate those parents who need educating I I thought the AD, Boothroy, the A.D.
0: Boothroyd line and it was absolutely Brilliant, superb. No. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't shout at a youngster learning to read, so why would you shout at a youngster learning to play football? I mean, it just yeah. epitomised the whole documentary yeah. for me.
1: Well, the talent's there. It just needs time and room to breathe. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers' Podcast.